Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Erica Suter. Now, before we jump into this week's show, give you a quick overview of what's going on in my world. I promise, even though I've said this the last two weeks now, I promise I am going to keep this brief, and then we will jump into the show. So, Today has been interesting. It's another one of those days where I record these on Monday night and, you know, as I sat down to record, I almost forgot to record because it didn't feel like a Monday. It felt like a Tuesday. I mean, up at 6.11 a.m. because the young Finn wanted to go outside and go to the bathroom. So took the dog out, was out the door by 6.50, clients 8 and 9. Before I even had clients, I had already figured some stuff out. As I've mentioned a couple of times, I'm shooting the assessment portion of the complete coach cert update this weekend. So figured some stuff out that I'd had bouncing around in my head. So felt super productive by like 8, 9 a.m. this morning. Came back to the gym, shot my iFastU presentation for the month, got that recorded, staff meeting, another training group, came home, picked the dog up from the groomer, meditated, Worked some more on the presentation, so uh, grilled dinner. So needless to say, it has been a productive day. I hate the term busy, but very productive day. So that feels good. Really looking forward to, once this week is over with, record the stuff for the cert on Sunday. And then Monday, we take a short for us. Normally, we go for seven days, but we're just going for a quick five-day vacation up to Michigan, get out of town for a little bit. We've been stuck in this house for... Geez, I don't know, like four months straight now. So the kids are cooped up. I've been feeling cooped up. We're just ready to get out, enjoy a little bit of time together. And then, man, believe it or not, my kids start school in like three and a half weeks. August 5th is their first day. So kind of crazy to think about that. And, you know, I've joked around um, both in person and, and on the show that it's just like, it feels like the never ending summer. But at the same time, it's going to be sad. Like, I mean, I'm so used to having them around. I'm used to coming home and seeing them or having Cade come into work with me a couple days a week. So going to be crazy when they go to school, but, you know, it'll be good for them. I think we all are just craving some routine at this point. And they always talk about whether it's pets, especially like dogs, whether it's humans and kids. In this case, they crave structure and they need like a meaning, right? They need to be working towards something. And so I know my kids are just bored out of their mind and we've done, I feel like everything with them that we can, but they're ready to get back to school. They're ready to get back in a routine. So needless to say, I will be ready for that as well. So yeah, man, that's really what's going on. Like I said, trying to get through this week. And then one thing that I did want to note is, you know, normally I enjoy sitting down every Monday. I do a little weekly recap and then we jump into the show. But uh, the amazing people that produce my podcast also are getting ready to go on a vacation. So the next couple weeks, it's going to be a little bit of a generic opener. Hope you don't mind. They need vacations just like we do. So I'll be uh, I'll be rooting for them. Hopefully they have a good time. They relax a little bit and then we'll all get back kind of in the groove come early to mid-August. So, all right, my friend, that does it. Let's take a quick break and then we're going to jump into this awesome new episode with Erica Suter. One thing Bill Hartman and I have talked about for years now is the power of mentorship. Early on, I didn't have a mentor to shape or guide me, or most importantly, help me find the blind spots in my own training and coaching. But luckily, after many years of trial and error, I found Bill, and my professional success exploded as a result. But the downside to the mentorship process, at least professionally, is that it can be pricey. 
For private mentees that I work with, it costs anywhere from $3.99 to $5.99 per month to work together. And while I know the results go far beyond that price, the fact of the matter is that just won't work for a lot of folks. So when Bill and I sat down a while back, we asked ourselves a really tough question. How can we help shape the future of the industry and truly make it great? And beyond that, how can we create amazing content yet make it affordable to virtually every trainer or coach out there? And the answer for us was simple. Restart iFast University. Here's what you'll get when you become a member of iFast University. One update each month from myself and Bill. This could cover anything from improving exercise technique to writing better programs and everything in between. Twice per month Q&As, where Bill and I will personally answer your questions to help you become better at training, coaching, or even running your fitness business. A Facebook group where you'll be surrounded by like-minded trainers and coaches who are serious about getting better, and access to the iFastU archives, where you'll be able to watch literally hundreds of pieces of content from the iFast team over the years. This blend of content and Q&A is specifically designed to help make you the best trainer or coach possible. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to ifastuniversity.com to get signed on. We'd love to have you on board. Erica Suter's mission is to help her youth soccer players become strong, resilient, and creative through exercise, while also inspiring them to love movement and sports in the process. A former collegiate and professional soccer player, Erica often talks about how getting started with a strength coach early in her career got her started on this path, and now she's making a massive impact with the soccer players that she trains. In this episode, Erica and I cover a ton of ground. We start by talking about why she trains a human first and a soccer player second. We talk about her core philosophies as a coach and the biggest mistakes she sees coaches making with her young athletes. And while we talk some X's and O's, the real gold is when we talk about why Erica feels it's so important to be a positive role model to the young females that she works with and coaches. Erica was an absolute pleasure to chat with. I love her energy and the amazing work she's doing with her athletes, so I know you're going to love this show as well. But enough for me. Let's do this. Erica, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to chat with you. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a soccer performance coach based out of Baltimore, Maryland. I have been doing it for almost nine years now, and I've actually had strength and conditioning in my life since I was in middle school. So I started very young and had my own strength coach and was hooked ever since. So I I went on to play soccer in college, played at uh, Johns Hopkins University. And then after that, I played in Brazil and also coached kids. And I had lived there for a year. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That's cool. (laughs) So after that trip, I came back and was like, I'm going to go all in with coaching. And I was passionate about helping youth because I had started so young and I just saw the the physical benefits and the mental benefits as well. Absolutely. I mean, how does a middle schooler get get strength and conditioning. Did your like parents bring you to that or did you have a coach at your school? Like how did that happen? Yeah, it was it was interesting because my my parents were really like 
hands off when it came to my development. They like let me make the decisions. But my mom, I think found out about this like summer strength and conditioning camp. It was like five days a week. It was intense. And like nowadays, like that template would sound crazy because no one has the time for that. But it was a five day a week camp for like 12 weeks in the summer, huge commitment. And she was like, Hey, do you want to do this camp? And I was like, yeah, let's go. And she was like, okay, like Eric wants to do it. And I did that first day and, you know, we were learning how to Olympic lift. We were learning how to do pull-ups. We were learning movement patterns and sprint mechanics. And it was just so amazing. And it was this just like competitive group setting, um, boys, girls, all middle schoolers. It was just amazing. And I was hooked since that first day. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So talk to me. You play in college. You know, you play in Brazil, which I'd love to hear more about that experience later on. But, you know, at some point you stop and you transition into coaching. So talk to me about your career path. Like, how did that, how'd you get started and kind of walk me through to where you're at now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the coaching piece started in Brazil. So that was really interesting because I didn't know Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, yes. So, yeah. So I learned enough to get by and like order food and not get lost um, <laughs> right. and say some soccer terms. But it was just, I mean, soccer is a universal language and it was just nice to coach and be hands-on like you know with like your your gestures and the the energy you're giving off so that was really important for me and then yeah I mean just when I came back I just I took a month off before I really figured out what I wanted to do and I just kept missing being with the kids and teaching not just about soccer but but about other things like life and character development so I just decided to start training. I started with just one athlete, another middle school girl, and it kind of just grew from there. Like (laughs) it was literally just one kid and now it's like hundreds of kids. Like (laughs) yeah, it was all really like word of mouth and just making sure I was getting them the results they needed and really taking them through that, that long-term process of development. I love it. I love it. So I think I want to start by discussing your philosophy a little bit, as I know you're a big believer in training the human first. And I think that's something that more and more coaches are starting to realize, like we can talk X's and O's, we can talk about sports specificity, but we're training people first. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. Why is training the human first so important to you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's everything because as long as sports last for a lot of these kids, so a lot of them, the kids I work with, they, they want to play in college or they want to go professionally. So those careers are going to be a little bit longer, but then it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do after that, that last game? Mm-hmm. And who are you going to be? How are you going to be prepared for life, especially physically? And we see that now with like the pandemic and having a strong immune system and being adaptable mm-hmm. and just setting yourself up for anything. So that for me is the most important, just looking at like who they're going to be when when their career ends and are they ready for that? And nothing should really change. They're always going to be training like athletes. They're always going to be nourishing their bodies, hydrating, getting good sleep. So all those pieces are a part of athlete development, but namely human development. That's such a great point. And I'm so glad you said that because 
so often people will come at me with like this idea of, oh, well, you train professional athletes, so this doesn't work for you. I'm like, uh, are you kidding me? Like you're just in the real world, right? You're what I would describe as a corporate athlete. You're out there working and you've got children or a family, like all the things that make a great athlete and helps them function at the highest level works the exact same. Now, granted, they may not do the same exercise or it may not be the same intensity level, but you need that same level of preparation if you want to be successful in life. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you mentioned that. And I know that like you're known for mainly working with soccer or certain sports and, and me as well. But it's like, no, we our programs can apply to p- apply to anyone. And I'm glad you mentioned the workforce because a lot of my athletes are going to become like doctors or nurses or maybe accountants. And the mental capacity you need for that, just to like sit in like a, an hour meeting and make like high performance decisions, like yes. that taught through your training as well. So it just, it doesn't stop. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we talked a little bit about training a human. Now I'd love to hear just your philosophy when it comes to training soccer players. What are some of your big rocks? Mm-hmm. So for youth, the the majority of my clients are middle school and early high school girls. So okay. the pre-adolescent and adolescent stage, which is the the greatest group to get started with. So we're starting with the basics and doing the basics consistently. So I always tell parents who want to work with me that this is not like a, a one month program. This is like <laughs> ideally like the length of their, you know, high school, college career. For sure. So I try to hone in on the message of consistency. So it's the same thing as them developing their soccer skills. They have to be consistent with the basics, learning how to dribble, learning how to shoot. And it, the same thing with learning how to deadlift. So the hinge movement pattern, and then we move on to maybe loaded. And then when they get to high school, maybe we're doing like velocity-based training or jumps with the trap bar. So it's just this whole trajectory and just taking them through each step kind of similar to starting with the basics of addition and subtraction and then going to your next level of math. And for me, it's really just about long-term development and yeah. giving them all those pieces. Yeah. And especially like you said, with middle and high school age kids, I think now they expect every session to look like the Instagram highlight reel, you know, like, <laughs> Oh man, here's this like whatever box jump and this max effort deadlift. It's like, yeah, but we train for like six months to have that day that we put all that stuff on Instagram, you know? So most of the training is very boring. We make the sessions fun, but on paper, it looks boring. It looks basic, but that's honestly what they need. That's what's going to help get them to that next level. Like you talked about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned fun too. So with the younger groups, we're always working on the basics, but that's just like a small piece of the session. It's just a sliver of everything. And then there might be a day where we're doing a fun game where they're applying the skills and what what they're learning from the drills. And then we're doing a game where they have to react in a split second or they have to respond to different stimuli. So they're, they're having fun while secretly learning the things. (laughs) Yes. I, that's, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Like you're basically, you can make a session fun in a lot of ways, right? It's not like you just have to use novelty all the time and throw like the bag at them as far as all the different like exercises and drills, you know, it's like, Hey, part of it is your level of playfulness, the right kind of music, having good uh, other good kids in the group that surround them, you know, like those things can make such a big impact on the quality of a session too. 
Yeah, definitely. And it's, yeah, there's so many games that we all know and love. And I know, you know, Jeremy Frisch, like I, I love his work with Mm -hmm. kids, but he always says like tag dodgeball, like those are the best games kids can play. They love them. They're working on so many components of development, coordination, balance, agility, teamwork. Some of them involve conditioning. Like if you're playing dodgeball for like a 10 minute bout, like (laughs) that gasses you. So need to run kids, you know, do suicides for sixth graders, we can do something else in in the form of a game like that. I love it. It reminds me too. a lot of my, my athletes love to play spike ball. I don't know if you guys play spike ball there, but they are obsessed. So they use that sometimes as a warm up. Sometimes if it's been a long day, they'll use that as their conditioning on the end, you get change of direction, it's competitive. So lots of good stuff there. Okay, so I'm going to be really direct on this one. Hopefully you don't feel like I'm putting you under the gun here. But what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see when it comes to soccer development or just training soccer players as a whole? That is a great question. (laughs) Yeah, there's gosh, there's so many answers. Gosh, I one topic I've been thinking about recently is just creativity. And I think there's there's a lack of teaching it. There's just a lot, especially with youth, it's just a lot of rehearsed drills that you see on Instagram. It's yes. like, okay, like a kid runs through a ladder, does like a pullback turn and then runs through some agility pulls. And it looks like just this like rehearsed thing. And I'm like, did you tell him to like do that? Because so I think that's, that's a big one. I mean, soccer is, it's the ultimate form of creative expression. So I always wonder why sometimes like these kids training sessions aren't eliciting that. So just coming back to the fun games and making sure that they can, they can think for themselves or learn how to react to a defender or a stimulus or work with a teammate is just so important. And yeah, I definitely think kids need to be more creative and be put into that environment. Hmm. That's such, that's, that's really interesting because I know that I've heard a lot of the issues with, say, American soccer players as they are, they're kind of rigid, they're not creative, versus you talked about living in Brazil where, you know, they don't <laughs> grow up in an academy system and they're playing in a street. And granted, you know, different socioeconomic stuff, there's all kinds of different factors there. But it's interesting you mentioned that because they talk about a lot of kids that get introduced to, say, club soccer or more formal soccer training later in life end up being some of the more creative players out there. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a big difference in Brazil. I mean, you see, like the kids are playing on concrete. Well, they're not fields; they're courts. Yeah. <laughs> so they're playing on concrete, and they're like slide tackling each other, and they're just like not fear. They're they don't have any fear, and they're right. doing bicycle kicks and like scraping their backs open. I'm like, <laughs> this is insane. But you know, it's it's almost like a higher intensity than the game. So when they get on the grass field, it's like, all right, well, this is, this is easy. Um, So that, that was really interesting, but I think like there's just more uh, free play and it's probably just the way like the cities are set up there. There's more futsal courts as opposed to, you know, your basketball hoops. So that environment, they're, they're placed in that environment, which is why it's important for us in the States as coaches to, try to have that creative expression in our training sessions. I love it. I love it. So I know you train a ton of female soccer players. And at least for me, and I know it is for you as well, a big piece of that demographic is keeping them healthy, right? We know about ACL tears and I feel like I've seen a ton of hip labrums and lower back issues. 
So for those that maybe don't train this demographic or that want to get into training more young female soccer players, could you talk a little bit about some of the injuries that you're seeing as well as ways that you're working on reducing their injury risk in their training? Mm-hmm. The the biggest one I've seen over the years and have, have had to really have some tough conversations with coaches and parents is knee pain. So yeah. a lot of patellar issues due to the growth spurt. So this is where the the strength training for for all the muscles surrounding the knee, the, the quads, the hamstrings, the glutes, being able to stabilize the core becomes so important. And I've just seen too many girls not strong enough to handle four practices a week as their their muscles and bones and, and everything's growing. And there's too much stress on the the patellar tendon. So that's been a really big one, whether that's through educating coaches like, hey, you guys can do this in your warm up. You can start to work on core stability and get in some hip activation. It takes less than 10 minutes. Use the FIFA 11 plus or ideally send them to um, a strength coach so they can really gain some strength and work on how to squat, double leg, then single leg, and just take them through that progression again. I love it. So when you're talking to parents, do you ever get any blowback when you talk about strength training with them? Are most of them pretty accepting or, you know, Mm -hmm. do you get people that are ever just like, no, I don't want my child to work out? Like what, what kind of feedback do you get? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't get too much pushback only because when they approach me, they usually have done their research or, or they found me and they're clear on what the, the philosophy is. But yes. I like to interview parents and be like, okay, well, what, wh- what do you want for your kid? Like, what are your goals? And they'll, a lot of them will say, okay, speed development. That's always a big one. Yes, <laughs> we want yes. to get faster. Um, and I'll say, well, he, here's what you need to do to get to that goal. Okay. So for speed development, we need to be resistant and power training a couple of times a week. We need to be working on mechanics and, and motor skill learning a couple of times a week. And I always come back to the analogy of like, we're always working on soccer skills. So why, why would we do physical training just once a week or here and there? And yep. that's when for them it clicks. But of course, you know, there might be a couple that are like, ah, I don't know. And and that's fine. I'm sure you still get people like that. I know Mike Boyle does, Eric Cressy. But yeah, just really telling them what the philosophy is and giving them the the science and and the practical experience behind it usually helps. For sure. And something else that you mentioned that I would love to hear how you address this. So if you don't work in the middle high school age soccer realm, you probably don't realize, but these kids especially in season are practicing at least three, often four nights a week, mm-hmm. one or multiple games on weekends. So they've got a lot going on. How do you fit training into all that? Or how do you try and make sure that the stuff that you know is important stays important to the athlete and the parents involved? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the in-season time is stressful for the players. And I know the parents, that's the, when they there's more pushback from them because they're like, oh, well, your strength training sessions are going to make them sore. And then that's when I have to inform them, hey, like we might have to cut volume in half or we might just do a recovery session and relax the nervous system. So just really educating them that like, we're not going hard all the time as yes. much as I love the grind of the off season <laughs> yes. in season. It's, it's got to change. And I have to let them know that 
that template changes drastically when we get there. Yeah. I mean, so much of it is education, right? Because unfortunately, they just think a session is a session. So when you're in there crushing it in the off season, they assume, oh, well, that's what it's like in the in season. Well, no. And having worked in professional soccer from whatever, I mean, the professional season could go from January to the end or the start of December in the MLS. And so even though I worked in the the NASL and the USL, I mean, the season still goes March to November. So you don't just stop training. And so like I have to educate the parents like, look, this is what a professional does. And not to say that your child is a professional, but if they want to continue to, to, to level up over the course of their career, this is something they have to buy into for the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And a- another thing that I work in there is maintaining speed. So yeah. a lot of like, that's something that we really focus on in season, especially because a lot of these younger kids are doing like 99 or like super, like small sided and they're sharing a field with like two other teams with their mm-hmm. clubs. So they, they're really small sided. And it's like, okay, well, are they getting their sprint work? Yes. <laughs> so that, that's another thing I like to tell parents is, hey, like we got to we got to keep getting faster here. We can't just like empty the speed bucket. We got to keep keep filling that. It's reinforcing technique, uh, especially when their nervous systems are fatigued. We're always reinforcing coordination and skipping. Like that's just a year round thing. Yeah. So I think they, again, the, the speed with parents just like always is a gem. Like, yes. So important for them. <laughs> yes. Well, look, like that is one of the things that differentiates at every level, right? Everybody will tell you when you go from middle to high school, high school to college, college to professional, the speed of the game is always going to be faster. So reinforcing that. And look, let's be frank. A lot of times if a child is coming to us, generally the fastest kid doesn't come to a strength coach or a speed coach, right? Like they're, they've got God's gift. The rest of them that are smooth on the ball, but not fast enough. Those are the kids that we get, right? Like they've got some of the skills, but they don't have the physical tools and that's where we can help them out. Yeah, absolutely. So now you've got me really interested because I would love to know, and I'm sure the people listening in would like to know, like new athlete comes to you or somebody that's been with you for a while. What does a typical session look like? Like run me through what a typical workout would look like. Yeah, sure. I can go through the one we did this morning since it's fresh. That would be great. (laughs) Well, right now in the off season, we're doing two days a week of running and then three days strength training for for most of them who are committed. So today's running day was more of a lateral speed, multi-directional day. So we start with a 10 minute dynamic warm up. I'm not, I don't really have jogging in my warm up anymore. We do a lot of like skipping and like really working on mechanics and arm action and knee drive. So I just cut jogging out altogether. Um, Some people are like, what the hell? Like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) We'll do like skipping, like multi-directionally get a dynamic stretch. And then I always joke with my players, like we're still warming up like for another like 20 minutes. So we'll get into movement prep. So on lateral speed days, we'll do like lateral crawling. We'll do crab walking as well. We'll get some some hip activation, different single leg bridges, and then we'll get into the jumps we're teaching for that day. So when they're fresh, today we did lateral bounding and just making sure they were good with sticking a landing. The point we're at in the program now is 
we're not focusing on like the speed and power of it. It's more just, okay, can you stick your landing? Can you pump the brakes on one leg? And then we'll we'll get into more of our drill. So learning how to get into athletic stance and do a side shuffle, learning how to do a side shuffle and then turn and run linearly. So just going over the technique there. And then after that is when we do our fun games. Nice. I love it. I love it. And it's just helpful because A lot of times people are, I don't want to say they're confused, but we're always like skeptical of what we're doing ourselves. So it's good to hear what like other pros are doing. And then you're like, oh, okay, so I'm not that far off, right? Or, oh, that's something cool. And I never thought of it like that. I want to add that in. So stuff like that's helpful. So I appreciate you sharing that. Now, one thing that you mentioned in our email discussion prior to the show is the idea of being a leader to your young female athletes. And I think this is such a powerful idea and a powerful concept, but I wanna get your opinion here. Why do you think that's so important? And maybe what are some ways that you go about attempting to be a leader to the young ladies that you're working? Mm -hmm. It really just comes back to, I'm developing more than just the player. And I want to develop these girls so that they can go to college and be student athletes. They can handle a rigorous schedule. They can express themselves. They can stand up for themselves. And that all also goes into the workforce and what they're doing after college. So I value that a lot. And especially with the girls, I just feel they need to realize like what their strengths are. Like the one thing that pains me the most is when girls like say they can't do something or they're like, I'm, you know, I'm not good at this, or I don't know what I'm good at. And I'm, I just want to like shake them and be like, no, like you're, you're fast or like, you're good at being a leader. You're good at communicating, like, just know this. So that's, that's what like pains me the most. And I try to show them what, what their strengths are and what they're good at and like really amplify those. And then just as far as like my own life, I mean, I think a lot of it is I try to dial in in every piece of my life and I I'm more of a like lead by example and yeah. I think the girls kind of catch on to that too. Of course I'm not perfect but I try my best to, you know, dial in in my training, my nutrition, sleep, uh, connection, relationships and I think for girls, it's important to be able to observe and see like what their coach is doing. Cause kids are smart. Like they watch everything. They listen to everything you say, they follow you on social media. So that's been like a big one. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. And you know, as I've gotten older, I think it's hard, especially when you're, when you're very young. Like, so when I started coaching, I was like 22, 23 and I was working with college age people. Right. So it's very hard because you're kind of caught up in it and you're more, I think especially at that age, you're more interested in being a friend than a coach. And the longer you do this and the more age separation there is, I feel like in a lot of ways, you're not a parent, but you take on some of those qualities, right? And you treat them like your kids and you want to see them be successful. And so you try and instill like the same things, like the work ethic and the values that you uphold. And it's such a great point too. Like you can talk about it all you want, but if you're not living the lifestyle, and you're not doing the things that you preach to them, like they know, they know. And and it's so obvious, but yeah, they know. 
Yeah, it's really interesting to watch because, you know, there's so many amazing coaches out there, male and female, that Mm -hmm. work with girls and they do a great job. But then you get people that are verbally abusive and constantly shouting profanity at like sixth grade girls. And it's just really concerning. So I just want to try to to be the light and show that, hey, like you can get your girls to work hard and become good people without yelling at them. Yes. (laughs) There's so many amazing coaches and it's funny. I was actually having this conversation with another coach before we hopped on and it's like, how, how do we even measure our success as coaches? Like, is it, you know, how many athletes we send to D one or the pros? Is it because we work for a pro club? Is it because we won you know, a championship or is it because maybe our players are becoming good people? and they're kind and they work hard and, you know, maybe they're following their passions, whatever. So it's like, I don't, I don't know if I'm a good coach. Cause I'm like, there's so many measurables. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about that, but it's just something I was pondering today. I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> no, that, I, I couldn't agree more with that because I think when we started off and again, I've been doing this like 20 years now. So that makes me feel old in one sense, <laughs> but it also makes me feel like I've, I've got some room to talk about this. You know, when we started off, it's like, hey, how much do they squat, bench or deadlift or power clean or whatever? Do those numbers improve? Yes. Okay. So I'm a good coach. And then, you know, it evolves to, oh, well, that's not really relevant to sport. Let's talk about measurables like 10s and 40s. And and so like that's where it progresses to. And then eventually it gets to, yeah, all that's important. But, you know, are they a good human being? I think that's pretty important. Are they healthy and able to play the sport that they love? I think that's pretty important. So it really comes down to like, what do you value, right? What are your measurables? And maybe it doesn't occur in a weight room, you know, or in a performance test, but there's more to athletics than that. Okay. So I got to go totally off the script with you because you've really, you've really piqued my interest here. And you talked about like, you know, being a coach that connects with them and leads by example, what made you that way? Was there like a coach that either stood out to you very much, either positively or negatively that shaped this? Because now you've got me thinking about why I am the way I am as a coach. So I want to hear your your answer first. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I think it comes back to, you know, having role models when I was growing up. So I had an amazing female coach. I've had amazing male coaches and I don't think I've ever experienced a coach that I was speaking of like an abusive coach who, who constantly yells or you know says you know you're constantly making a mistake, you're constantly messing up. I'd never had that and I think having those role models who again like showed me my strengths. My my female coach especially was like you could you could like go play at UNC. Like you yeah. can you the turning down Dean one's another story, but I'm not going to get into it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she just really like made me realize, wow, like I am capable of, you know, whatever I want to accomplish. I just have to work hard for it. And she really instilled in me that work ethic. And she definitely left a mark on not only my soccer career, but just everything in life. I mean, now, like, you know, as a performance coach in the private sector, like it's hard work, like it's, it's a grind. And yeah, I mean, she, she taught me so many valuable lessons that, that applied after college. I love that. So I will give you the very short thought that I had here because I grew up loving basketball, right? Soccer, I always talk about this, like soccer, I got to play when I was very little and then there was no path, 
right? There wasn't in Indiana, there was no middle school programs. There's no high school until I was like a senior. So I grew up loving basketball. And really, I had a, a coach through most of my high school career that basically killed my love of the game, right? Yeah. Like, hated going to practice. It was stressful. It was high anxiety, you know, and we weren't even good. Like, that was the worst part, right? It's like one thing <laughs> if you're like vying for a state championship, like, we were awful and right. like beat the game out of me. And it was really interesting. My last two years, I played volleyball immediately after, right? Like, that was the season after. And both of my volleyball coaches were like so much fun, right? Like made me love that sport. And so I think that's part of who made me who I am as a coach because I just knew like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to take somebody's love of the game away, right? Yeah. So like, even if I'm coaching my kids soccer and my kids are like six and nine or they're baseball, like my thought process is I want it to be fun. And I want, I never want to be a kid's last coach in mm. a sport. You know, like I never want to be the reason they're like, oh, I hate baseball. I'm not playing that again. Or, <laughs> or I hate basketball. But you said one thing that I think is really critical and that I want to kind of leave us on this note. I'm a big believer that great coaches like yourself believe more in their athletes than that athlete believes in themselves. Right. And then what you do is your belief drives them to then believe in themselves. Yeah. And that's why they're successful, right? Like your belief in that girl to tell her, you're amazing. You are fast. You are a leader. You can absolutely go out and bang 10 goals this year. Like your belief kind of just festers and then eventually it carries over into them and then they believe it as well. So I love that you said that word. I think that's such a big piece of what we do. Okay. So now coming back on script, <laughs> if you could alter the space-time continuum, and give young Erica Suter one piece of advice about training and or life, what would it be? Oh, wow. <laughs> I know, big question. Oh, geez. So when I was growing up playing like anything, I would change? Anything, yeah. Oh, gosh, it's really hard for me to, to think of something just because I had such a, a positive experience. I think maybe dabbling in more sports. I mean, I... I did play lacrosse for a little bit, yeah. but I kind of was forced into stopping. I mean, partly the system's fault, partly mine, but it was, it got to a point where it was just too much soccer and I yeah. like felt I was overtraining, but like, I really loved lacrosse and I wanted to do other things like gymnastics, snowboarding. My mom never let me snowboard because she's like, that's too dangerous for soccer. And I'm like, right. well, lacrosse is like just as dangerous. Like, right. So, yeah, I think just trying more activities and just getting that novelty physically for motor skill learning, but just for like my brain and adapting to new environments. But now at age uh, 30, I snowboard. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great advice. Play a lot of stuff, especially when you're young or if you're a parent listening to this, try and get them into everything. I mean, I know that's what I'm trying to do with my kiddos. So, okay, Erica, last but not least, we're going to go with our lightning round. So four fairly short questions, but your answers can be as long or short as you like. All right. Number one, what's your career highlight so far as a coach? <sighs> There's so many good ones. <laughs> <laughs> So many good ones. You can give a couple if you can't settle on one. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I think one of my girls, just amazing. I mean, I started working with her since age 10. She's in college now and she is a division three player, but she had made a UNC women's soccer team. So she was going to walk on, but 
with a 4.0 GPA and a 1500 on the SAT, she somehow oh, wow. didn't get it. So, oh my um, gosh. But, yeah. So, but like just during that time, like her just trying to get her grades up and just like really like, just like putting her face in the ground and working, like that was just like so cool to see. And then yeah. like after that all happened, of course she was like devastated and just like crying and she just like kept thanking me. She's like, thank you for like telling me to like go after this dream. Like, even though it didn't happen. And I just told her, I was like, no, like th this was all you, like you were the one, like you got the grades, you got the SAT score, you impressed Anson Dorrance at the camp and slide tackled one of his current players on the team. Like he noticed you like that, right. that was all you, like I am just a facilitator. So like that for me as a coach was this just like awakening, like, no, like my players, like just their success happens because of them. And like, I can, you know, give them good programming and instill in them work ethic, but they got to like really do it themselves. So that was a, a really defining moment for me as a coach. I love that. And just think, I mean, even though she didn't achieve exactly what she wanted, how much did she learn from that process? Oh, so much. Yeah. Stuff and she pay off for, for the rest of her life, honestly. Yeah. I mean, she's just a great kid. And it's like, it's funny because now she like helps me with like my coaching. So she coaches nice. with me and like, it's, it's just this cool, I mean, again, it's coming back to like the long term and just seeing these kids like grow up it, girls into women. And it's just, it's amazing to see. That's very cool. Okay. Number two, what's your favorite soccer league to watch? And do you have a favorite team? I like EPL Manchester City. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. The kid I'm training right now for basketball is like a huge Man City fan. He's a really, really, really good basketball player, but I think he's secretly more into soccer than basketball. But big Man City fan, so he was excited that they started up last week. Oh, uh, no. It's great. It's nice to see it again. <laughs> yes. Even though it is weird with just like the big like drapes over the seats, at least we have live sports to watch, right? Right. It's it's been nice to come back. I definitely miss like going to the the pub down the street and watching every Sunday. Yes. So well, hopefully sooner versus later. <laughs> Number three, what's been your biggest struggle or time of adversity as a coach? Hmm. I think making the the transition from <sighs> training I think just niching down. I want to be able to work with everyone because it's like coming back to, you know, developing the human and everyone yeah. can benefit from just good strength and conditioning. But I really had to get clear on who I wanted to work with. And that's the pre-adolescent, adolescent females, because I was finding like those were like the main people who were constantly coming to me. And then I realized, wow, like I love this group. Like there's so much impact to be made here. So it involved, I had to give up like a few other things, but then I was like, okay, I'm going to go all in with this group because this is the group that I'm the most passionate about. I love it. It seems to be paying off for you so far for sure. <laughs> okay. Last but not least, number four, what's next for Erica Suter? What are you working on? What are you excited about? Anything? Gosh, I mean, with the time now, I don't know what's next, but <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, we're still training right now uh, through a hybrid model. And so we're like currently in the off season, but as far as long-term, I mean, I don't think I have any goals. Like a lot of people are like, oh, do you eventually want to apply for a pro club? And I'm like, no, like I'm very content where I'm at. I think I 
would want to maybe create something that helps the young female athlete more or educates coaches on working with this group as far as like growth and maturation and like how you can program at practice. So like that's something that I'm passionate about and thinking of doing. But for now, it's just training the kids and enjoying it. (laughs) I love it. Well, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We need more people like you out there. So, Erica, it's been great catching up with you today. So thankful for your time. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great things that you're doing? Sure. My website is www.ericasuter.com, and I mainly hang out on Twitter, and my handle is FitSoccerQueen. Hit soccer queen. I like that. I like that. Awesome. Well, we make sure we'll make sure we get those in the show notes. And again, Erica, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with Erica. Sincerely hope you enjoyed it. Like I said up top, I think she is just an amazing human being. She is doing some fantastic work with her young ladies and fact of the matter is we need more coaches like her that are passionate about training our youth and not just teaching them to love movement and exercise and nutrition, but teaching them the fundamental skills that they'll take and use, not just in sports, but you know, really to help them be successful human beings the rest of their life. So I really enjoyed it. Hope you did. If you did, do me one of two favors. Number one, if you're not already subscribed to the show, do that now iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, wherever they have podcasts, wherever you consume podcasts, click the subscribe button so that you get a notification each and every week when I drop a new show. If you're already subscribed, I appreciate it. Do me a favor. My goal is to get to 200, 250 ratings and reviews on the iTunes store. The more ratings and reviews I have, the more people get exposed to the show. And I think the show's pretty darn good. You know, hopefully you think that as well. You're listening. So if you would pop on to iTunes, give me a rating, give me a review so that we can get more and more people listening to this show each and every week. I would truly appreciate it. It's my goal. It's my mission to help trainers and coaches like you get the absolute most out of their career. And I hope, I really hope that each and every week this show puts you on that path and gives you just something new that you can work with to make you more successful. So, My friend, that does it for this week. As always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.